here. So my name is Mark Lindstrom, and I'm the district superintendent for the North Arkansas District Church of the Nazarene. And uh, it is my privilege and responsibility to journey with local churches through transition and to work very directly and very closely with church boards as we go through the process of discerning the Lord's will for the church's future and specifically the calling of a new lead pastor. And as Pastor Chad was praying at the end of that, that lovely worship set that we enjoyed together, um, his prayer for all of the church was that the church, the board, the staff, and the volunteers would step up during this time of transition. And I love that connection that he made to the song we were singing, that as we step up onto a, a new foundation, a new level, that foundation, of course, is Jesus. And we step up onto the solid rock, the foundation that is Jesus. Amen? And as a result of that, as all that we sang about it, what a great group of songs he chose, wonderful reminders to us that Jesus is faithful, amen, that God is good, and the one thing that I believe, just I've experienced it in my own journey in ministry and life, and I've experienced it in this role as I've worked with churches through this, this very same thing um, many times now in the last five years, and that's the recognition that as much as I love a church or as much as I love the church, someone loves that church and loves the church more than I do. And his name is Jesus. <laughs> and the one thing I've had to learn to let go of over the years in my own kind of leadership style is the recognition that the church isn't mine. It doesn't belong to me. That, that this is Jesus' church. He not only established the church, but he died for his church. You know, I've never been asked to shed blood for any church that I've, that I've led, and I think probably if I had to, I would have. Um, but Jesus did that because he loves the church even more than I do. He loves the church even more than pastors have or staff pastors have, the board does, or any of us do. And the one thing we can be sure of is, yeah, life is tumultuous at times, and change is always happening, and People that we love, they come and they go and they, they move to new places of ministry. But the one constant that we can be sure of is that this church is Christ's church and he will see to his church. Amen? And, and we can have confidence in that. And that's why when the song that we sang, it was not, that was on a bubblegum drop kind of song. That was about, that was a song that life can be hard and there can be a lot of complexity to it. But no matter how chaotic or how difficult or how uncertain life is, we can still have joy and we can still have confidence because it doesn't rest in our certainty, right? It doesn't rest in our kind of having everything ordered or controlled or all of it kind of comfortable for us, our, it all rests in the fact that we know that, that God has got this thing. He is faithful, he is good, and he will see to his church. And I just want to commend Pastor Chad for reminding us of that in our time of worship this morning and really for you as we worship together so beautifully. And I look forward to a time for us all together around him and Abby at the end of our service and and as we've done before here and in other places to, to, to recognize that they are God's gift to us for a season and now we send them with God's blessing. And as I've always said, coming from Bentonville Church, that everywhere else I went was kind of a missionary service being sent from that church. And they will be that way as well. And they will carry the DNA of this church with them wherever they go. 
and they will be missionaries on behalf of this good work and your investment in their lives, and I celebrate that today, even though, like you, I'm a little sad, um, but I am also grateful for the unbelievable goodness of God. Well, over these weeks, you've been talking together as a local church about the importance of kind of discipleship and the privilege of growing together and specifically talking about uh, the, the value of life groups and small group ministry. You know, the early church saw to it that they participated in two activities in their life together. Right out of the chute, even before they built church buildings, before they could build church buildings, before they had any kind of recognition on the part of the state, the one thing the church, the church did in their early years together, they would gather in the temple courts in these large group experiences and they would worship together there. Many of them, at least early on in Jerusalem at least, were, had been Jewish first. And so the temple was a place they were used to going. But they were followers of Jesus. They, they, they still saw themselves as Jewish, I guess. They just believed the Messiah had come and his name was Jesus Christ. And so they would go to their temple and they would gather in those courts as the people of God sharing a confession that Jesus is Lord and they would worship together and they would do that there. But the one thing they also did, and Acts 2 tells us this very clearly, was beyond those, those large group kind of worship experiences, they would also gather house to house. Right out, of the, right out of the chute, from the very beginning of the early church, they recognized the value of, of life together as the people of God. And so, not knowing everything else that's been covered throughout these weeks, I can certainly say as a pastor myself, understanding that, that real life change happens in small group life experiences with the people of God. I just would, 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 would just jump on the, the, the desire that all of us be connected to a small group life experience as part of the people of God as we grow and we experience nurture together as the people of God. Because there really is nothing, in my view, in this world that can take the place of the blessing and the joy of being part of the family of God. I love the church. I love the family of God. It's, it has been my family for most of my life. I was born and raised in a family, absolutely I was, and I love my family and the blood ties that run through our veins, but... But the bulk of my life now, as I, as I am turning the corner in this year, those of you that have been with me since I was, when did I become pastor of this church? When I was, what, 17 years old? What was it? <laughs> I turned 50 years old this year. And that's really hard for me to believe, and I know I don't look it, right? But uh, I turned 50 this year, and the bulk of my, my adult life I have had to just live into the reality that, that the local church, the people of God, are my family. Because I've never really lived near my blood tie family through all of my adult years together. And I love the church. Even on days like this when I'm sad for you. My sadness for you and my sadness for, for the McCrory is because I love them and I love you. Because we're all part of the same family. Amen? And, and families, we rejoice with members of our family have cause to rejoice. And we weep when members of our family weep, don't we? That's what we do, and, and there's nothing greater, there's nothing on planet Earth that can take the place of the beauty and the value of, of the church, the family of God. You know, the, you and I are part of the church, the family of God. It, lots of organizations, lots of things have come and gone over the past thousands of years of human existence, but the church is the longest-lasting 
And it's the largest family in the world. Thousands of years and several billions strong, we are part of this amazing people of God. And even though I know we've, we put a value on the local church, and I do believe in the, the, the promise and the potential of the local church to impact um, individual lives and family groups in a community, but, but I also know that in the doing of that as a local church, we don't do it by ourselves. But we really are part of this larger family that is scattered all throughout Bentonville and Northwest Arkansas and has all kinds of different names and labels on it. But the one thing that we know is that we confess together that Jesus is Lord and we might, we might serve him in unique ways and we might do ministry in specific contexts wherever we're called to serve. But we're not in this thing by ourselves. We really are a part of a billion strong group of people known as the family of God. And when you give yourself fully to the people of God, when you give yourself fully to the family of God, you discover it's not like any other family you'll ever be part of. It's like I said a few moments ago, when I was born physically into this world, I became part of the human race. And I didn't have a choice in the matter. I was born human, and so I became part of this race. But I didn't become part of a family a group of people whose blood runs through my veins until my mother and father, thank God, decided to go ahead and take me home from the hospital with them when I was born that day, right? I had a family outside of this race that welcomed me into their family. And I'm glad it was my mom and dad that did that. You see, on that day, I moved from being part of a general family called the human race and on that day, I became part of a family known as the Lindstrom family. Now, I, wasn't, I was just a baby when all that was going on. And in the same way, I didn't have a choice in the matter of whether I was human. I didn't really have a choice whether I was a Lindstrom. So I'm really glad that, that Alan and Betty Lindstrom chose that for me. And when they took me home, and I was very often joked if that hadn't happened to me, I drifted into a family. And I discovered as I got older that I had two sisters and I had grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles and we weren't close to any of them really. They all lived a long way away, but, but we knew they were there and we saw them from time to time and we were part of this larger network. We were all kin because of the blood that ran through our veins. But you see, the day I was born again, something very similar happened to that. Here's what the Bible says. It says, the true children of God are those who let God's Spirit lead them. The Spirit we receive does not make us slaves again to fear. Instead, when we're born into this family and receive this one Spirit, the Bible says it makes us, say it with me, children of God. And with that Spirit, we cry out, Father, and the Spirit himself joins with our spirits to say, we are God's children. Amen? So when I became a follower of Jesus, I became a Christian, I became a child of God. And on that day, I was kind of brought into this, this race of people called the church, the people of God. God invited me into this awesome spiritual family, and the people of God, the church, welcomed me into their family. Now, the cool thing was in the same way I was born into a family and someone had to graft me in and say, you're a Lindstrom, come on home with us. 
When I became a, a babe in Christ, yeah, I became part of the race called Christians, but, but, but still, on my own, I, it's kind of hard to figure out how do you fit in. Luckily, not only was I brought home into a physical family, but my parents brought me into a local church called a, 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 the family of God, and, and I was grafted into this spiritual family in that particular place, in that particular time, called the Mayfield Church of the Nazarene. Now, over the years, those, the names of those churches of the Nazarene have changed as, as I followed God's call and served in different places and all that, but, but in my particular case, I had this unbelievable gift of not only being able to be born into the church as a follower of Jesus, but I've been able to be a part of a tribe called the Church of the Nazarene that, that have called me part of their family, and I've experienced the joy and the blessing of being part of that amazing family. You see, the family is, is known by the church. A couple of things we call, we call, we call it the temple, of, the temple of the Lord, the body of Christ, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, 1 Timothy 3.15, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family must live. And it just keeps on going, but it says God's family is the church. In other words, the day I was born again and became a Christian, yeah, I became part of this global thing called the church, right? But, but I was also brought into the family of God. And the Bible says the family of God is the church. In other words, there's a lot of people that are kind of out there drifting in this world that say they're followers of Jesus, they're Christians, but, but they're kind of wandering around because they don't experience the joy of what it means to be a part of a family of God called the church. And you and I get to experience that. You experience that here, and, and I've experienced that here, and we've experienced that together as we walk together as the people of God in our particular tribe. Because the cool thing about it is in the same way that my mom and dad took me home, I met my sisters and grew up and met cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents and some of them are cool and some of them are odd and some of them are mean and some of them are weird and some of them I love to be around. Others I was like, okay, it's like, you know, family and fish have the same thing in common. After three days they start to smell, you know. We've all got family like that, right? Well, guess what, brothers and sisters? In this family of God, we got the same things going on, all right? And you know what? I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. That person who's out there waiting to become part of a church when they find the perfect church, oh my, they're in major trouble. Because no such thing exists, amen? We've all got that aunt, that uncle, those grandparents in the church, and man, some we love to be around, some give us vitality, and others are like that fish thing, you know? We get that, right? I used to tell people in membership classes when I was a pastor, because I was, you know, the whole point of membership classes is to get people to join our church. And I'd be saying, hey, if you're looking for the perfect church, join it, but actually don't join it because the moment you join it, it won't be perfect anymore. And all God's people agreed and said, amen? We're all in this thing together trying to figure out what it means to be a part of the church. But the amazing thing is, is that, is that when I became part of the Lindstrom family, I was a part of this thing by kinship, blood running through my veins. I didn't get to choose. But the awesome thing about the church is, is that I get to choose. I get to be a part of this family that's not bound so much together by blood ties as much as by the waters of baptism that unite us together. We've all heard the phrase that blood is thicker than water, amen? We've all experienced that. But I believe when it comes to the church, the waters of baptism really are thicker than the blood ties that bind us to our kin. Amen? 
And as a person who's had to live a long way from family a lot of years, I've discovered there is absolute truth in that. I'm a part of this family, not because of the blood that runs through my veins, but because someone shed his blood so that I could be called a child of God. Amen? And I get to experience kinship with him as I experience kinship with the people of God in the local churches that we get to be a part of. You know, I'm grateful that I was, when I was a baby and they brought me home, they didn't just kind of leave me alone. But my parents invested in me. My sisters, eh. <laughs> my oldest one's nine years older. My middle sister, Susan's five years older. Quite frankly, I don't even know that they knew I was around most of the time. And when I was, I was kind of this really annoying little brother that they just couldn't quite get rid of. And my oldest sister, Deanna, who's nine years older, she graduated high school when I was in third grade. I hardly have any memory of her as a child. She was pretty much off to the Air Force when I was in third grade. But I knew she was my sister, and I knew she loved me. And even though I was that annoying little brother that probably just drove her crazy. And I know I did that because I have a little one called William now, who I think is me incarnate. And I get to see the way he interacts with all the siblings. And I'm like, oh my God, was I that bad? Did I really treat my sisters that same way? No wonder they hated me, right? But here's the cool thing. As adults now, we have a great relationship. I know her as an adult, and she's my older sister, and I respect her with, in that way. But, but it's, there's just something about that tie. I love it. But that family, my mom, my dad, my sisters, and others as I met along the way, they didn't just leave me, but they taught me practices. They taught me how to grow. They, they taught me what it meant to be a part of this family that I was now born into. They they taught, the, taught me the rituals of what it meant to be a Lindstrom or whatever. They gave me safety. And then as, 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 I, as I grew up, other people became part of that family. Not as my mom had more children. I was the end. I don't think she would have ever had any, wanted to have any more after I came along. But my sister had, had children. And now, crazy enough, my little niece, who was born when I was in college, I can't believe it, has now two children and gave birth to one just a few months ago. And now that little one's part of our family. And we get to do all that again. Teach them and nurture them and train them and graft them in. And teach them the practices and the rituals of what it means to be a part of this crazy family. It just goes on and on. Well, guess what? In the same way, when I became a babe in Christ, I, I needed a family to do the same thing for me as a young Christian. As I grew as a follower of Jesus, I needed people who would not only say, okay, Mark, we're glad you're part of the family of God, but Mark, we're going to now adopt you into this local family of God. And so all my life, I got to live in the same place until I was 18 years old. I had this little church that invested in my life and grafted me in and showed me what it meant to be a part of that church and taught me and nurtured me and corrected me. And oh, did they correct me, those Sunday school teachers, right? And, and they helped me learn what it meant, the rituals and the practices of what it meant to be a part of that specific local body called Mayfield Church of the Nazarene. All in order to kind of help me as someday in my life be able to kind of go out and live out my faith in the world on my own. But also then turn that around so that I could do that to the next generation that would come into the family of God. As I learned them, then I passed them on to others who experienced the same. You see, all these years, you know, in my 50th year of life, I've been part of a family that has taught me how to move from just believing in Jesus to belonging to the family of God and the body of Christ. A, a group of people that has taught me there's so much more value 
in being less of a religious consumer and so much more joy in being a fully engaged part of the family. A group of people who've taught me that, that there's so much more to my growth than just spectating on religion, but actually participating in what a local church is doing to grow and nurture themselves and impact their community. In other words, I've been blessed to be able to be grafted in in various places as a full partner in the family of God. And I just want to say to those of you that might be hanging around the edges of this church, you will never find a better group of people and a congregation more committed to helping you to experience those same things in your life than this church. And they would love, I've always, always discovered that, that at any time that I was far from the Lord, it wasn't because Jesus had moved. Jesus' arms were always outstretched. It was always my kind of, kind of uncertainty to kind of complete the hug, you know. And I just want to say to those of you that might be new to this church or kind of uncertain about all of it, I just want to say there's a family of God here at Bentonville Church. Their arms are stretched out. And man, they would do anything if you would let them just complete the hug. And let you experience the blessing of full partnership as a part of this particular family of God. Full partnership means something very clear according to the Bible. Here's, here's Peter again. He says, show respect for all people, but, say this last part with me, would you? Love the brothers and sisters of God's family. In other words, as people of God committed to the values of Jesus yeah, we're in the world, we're not of the world. Yeah, our value system is sometimes a little countercultural to the value system of the world, of the community all around us. But we live and engage that culture with respect. Graciousness and politeness is our temperament toward our community as the people of God. We show respect. But the Bible says when it comes to our brothers and sisters in the family of God, we ratchet that up. And that we are called to, to loving the people of God. You see, love is the ultimate connection, brothers and sisters. You know that if you're in a, in a marriage relationship, you understand that, that love goes beyond liking someone. Love goes beyond simply approving of the things they do or don't do. The Bible says in Colossians 3.14 that love is more important than anything else, that it Love is what ties everything completely together. And I think he's talking very specifically about the relationship that we as the people of God are to have together as the family of God. That we are to love each other. That, that, is, our, that is our primary trait. I've told people, especially through all the political debates the last few years, that I'd rather, I'd rather, um, I'd rather be in a relationship than be right all the time. It's more important to me that, that I maintain a relationship so that I can keep a conversation going because I'm praying like crazy for these folks, trusting that it's not my job to change anybody. It's my job to pray for the Holy Spirit to do his work of changing the hearts of people. Amen? And as I relate to them with love, the people in the church, respect to people outside the church, all of that, then God does his work that I could never do in my own strength. You see, Jesus took this really a step further and said, look, the world will not know that you're my followers because you have the right positions on stuff or because you, you, know, you stand up and you holler your values. The world will know you're my followers primarily by how you love each other. The world is watching you and they want to see, are you, are you loving your brothers and sisters? Are they seeing what real love is all about? And I'm just telling you, brothers and sisters, I've been a part of the church a long time. There's no greater love than the love that's found in the body of Christ. 
I've seen people take out loans for each other. I've seen people just pour out, give of their time and their efforts, just pour their hearts out for the sake of their brothers and sisters in Christ and receive the same in return. And there's just nothing on the planet that can match that joy. And I just want to challenge all of you as we're talking about discipleship and the joy of connection, there's nothing greater you could do for yourself or your family than let them experience that blessing right here at BCC. What's the benefit of all of that? Well, I've talked about the first part of it. The benefit of it is you get love and you get acceptance. You know, that, that's, that's what comes to you whenever you're part of the family of God. See, for 22 years when I was pastoring local churches, I would tell pretty much every membership class I taught the same principle. And I didn't make this up. I grabbed this from Rick Warren years and years ago. But I used to tell membership classes that a Christian without a family is, is an orphan. You know, just like when I was born, hey, I was human, but I needed a family to bring me home, right? That's how I became part of the family, was someone said, you're ours. Well, in the same way, when I was born again, I accepted Jesus at whatever age. I was a Christian, but I needed a family to graft me in. Until then, I was kind of wandering around, kind of an orphan, you know? And, and quite frankly, for the, for the past almost, goodness, 14 years, I've really kind of understood the truth of that statement. Many of these people in this church that have been around here a while remember a journey that my wife and I went through when we were pastoring this church trying to become parents. For four and a half years, we, we went through the adoption journey because for whatever reason, we were not able to have children of our own at that time. Funny thing, play the tape out. <laughs> we play that out and God gives us the desires of our heart and we get to experience the joy of having Ivan in our life and then, goodness, we couldn't turn the spigot off after that. And I went from zero kids in 14 years to four kids in five years. How does that happen with only two pregnancies? I was six foot two when that started. The great thing about it, though, was we got to see all that play out. Some of you have heard this story, but when we, when we finally got to the place where we were able to go and Adopt this awesome little kid. And uh, I, Ivan's my, my road trip partner. He goes with me a lot of places. And he's over here this morning just hunkered down hiding in, his, in the seat. Um, we brought him home and we scared to death, right? We were too. We weren't even parents. We were, what, 21 years old when that was going on, right? You know, mid-30s more like it. And uh, this little kid born and just at birth was part of an orphanage. And for the first year of his life, he just kind of was in an orphanage. And folks cared for him, met his needs, but didn't experience the love and nurture that every human person needs. And finally, we brought him home. Man, he was scared to death. He didn't know us. We didn't know him. It, you could see it in his eyes. Some of you remember those days. And over time, as we loved on him and accepted him, hey, he's, he's not an infant that's quiet right out of the... He's a one-year-old. Woo, he's active, right? And, and all of that. And he had parents that had no idea what they were doing. Luckily, we had a good church that helped us, you know? And over time, we got to see what happens when someone goes from kind of being in a wayward kind of state of no real family to be a part of to being grafted into a family and how that changes and the growth and nurture of that. And this little boy that, that we didn't know is suddenly part of this family and we get to pour our lives into him, and, and then the other ones come along, and now, poor guy, he gets to help us pour into them, you know? 
And now, the cool thing was, we loved and accepted him as he was. The growth came later, you know? And, and that, well, and, and how, Ivan, stand up, buddy. I know you're hating this, but stand up, all right? Stand up. Now look at him, right? <laughs> if he walks up to me one more time and puts his head on my head and says, Dad, you're short one more time, I keep telling him, you know what, you may have a whole head on me now. He's close to six feet now. But I'm like, I weigh twice what you weigh. Right? So you might have me here, but if I ever get you on the ground, you are in trouble. You know? I'm saying that in front of them, Ivan, so you're hearing it in front of all of them. You know? All of that. But wow, what a joy that was. What a joy that was. Love and acceptance, growth comes later. Guess what? When you're part of the family of God, this place is a place that will love and accept you. And they will pray for you, and they will challenge you, and they will teach you, and they will equip you, trusting the Holy Spirit as it work in your life, knowing that, hey, in the same way that that kid is now almost six foot, growth comes later. Amen? What a gift, what a blessing that God gives us in that way. You see, there's two kinds of commitments that the Bible says we have. Um, the, 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 here's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 8, 5. He says, they gave themselves first to the Lord... And then to us in keeping with God's will. You see, the first and most important decision you'll ever make will be to give yourself to Jesus. And if you've never done that, you just can't leave here today until you've done that. You've got to have that joy in your heart of knowing that you're a child of God. And the assurance the Holy Spirit gives that you are the child of God and all is well. Nothing greater than that. But the Bible says that beyond giving ourselves fully to the Lord, the very next step is we give ourselves to the people of God as well. Because it's in the giving of ourselves to others that we grow. That's how we become more like Christ. It's how we learn what it means to be a part of this thing called the family of God. That's where we learn the practices and the rituals and all of those things that make us children of God. And I just want to say to you, there's nothing greater in your life. You'll never, you'll, no job can replicate this. Honestly, no family network can, re can replicate it. There's nothing in your life that can give you the same sense of fulfillment and peace and joy than being a part of the family of God. And I just want to encourage you to experience that for yourself if you've never have. And if you have in the past and you found yourself kind of drifting away, you know, hey, I get it, the cares of life are great. Then I just want to encourage you, use today as a chance to kind of graft yourself back into that. You see, as you get older... And you start to think about the end of all things. And you think about, you know, what is it that's going to outlast my life whenever this is all said and done? And what awaits me on the other side of this thing? What's going to be over there? And it's clear to me that there's honestly going to only be two things that matter to me when life is over. And it's all going to come down to relationships. You see, the stuff I acquire, the things that I inherit, the things that I do, things that I accomplish, they're going to be great, and people can write about them on an obituary or whatever, but for me, on the other side of death, they're not going to matter a whole lot. Really, what's going to matter at the end of all things is, first of all, my relationship with Jesus. Did I love him with all my heart? Did I experience a, a daily relationship with him? Did I experience his salvation and did I know in my heart each day that I was a child of God? Did I lean more and more into him? Did I ask the Holy Spirit to conform me more and more into his image so that each day I could become more like Christ? So that whenever I meet him, he won't be a stranger to me. But I'll, I'll be like him in the sense where it'll feel like I'm going home and 
being with this amazing leader of our family. That's what's going to matter to me. And the church is here to help you nurture that. That's why we exist. We want to help you to be able to be more like Jesus, to experience the joy of a relationship with him and to walk with you as you experience him more and more each day. But I've also come to the recognition as I get older that, that, that the relationships I've had with the family of God are going to matter. Because when I get to heaven, what will be there? Well, Jesus will be there, and the family of God will be there. And the reason why I don't say my family, my blood family, set apart from that is because they are part of the family of God as well. And to me, they are, they are very much a part of what I want to see when I get to the other end of this thing. And that's why I'm praying like crazy for my own children to follow the Lord. You see, think about all that we do and all that we focus on and all the things we spend our time and our money doing and investing in. Think about it, friends. Of all the things you can commit your life to, what is it that's going to remain a thousand years from now? And I'll tell you, it's very easy. Your relationship with Jesus is going to last a thousand years from now. And your investment in the family of God, that's what's going to last a thousand years from now because you're going to spend eternity in the presence of Jesus with this group of people that he gave you in this life. We don't deserve that. He's given us this group of people in this life that we'll get to experience the joys of heaven in the next. And I just want to encourage you, hey, what are you giving your life to? What is it that you're investing your energies and your time and your money and all of the values of your life in? Will they last a thousand years? If you can't say yes to that, let me tell you, I know what will. Investing in the things of the kingdom of God, a relationship with Jesus, and an investment in the family of God, that is something you can take with you all the way into eternity. It's clear, isn't it? Only a commitment to Christ and only connection to the family of God are going to stand the test of time. And I don't know about you. I don't want to waste my life. I want to invest my life in that which will last for eternity. And all God's people agreed and said...